I, uh, yeah. We're going. Yeah, we're going. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm here. I hear oh, you. Oh, you didn't answer. You just, <laughs> just sat there. Welcome, Whoa. everyone, to Known Unknowns. Happy Monday. Hope you're having a good day. Yeah, if you can, after the friggin' refs just handed the Super Bowl to Tom Brady like that. The Super Bowl's not over, I, and I'm not watching it, but uh, that seemed... I was I was looking at Twitter a little bit ago, and that seemed to be the consensus of what's happening. Yeah, I'm not watching that. Yeah, I know. I don't. <laughs> I, I, me neither. Did Sorry you know that that I'm not watching it. I don't <laughs> care either. Sorry who's for playing it up. in the Who's playing? We got the Chiefs and the Bucks, the Kansas know. City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I think that's who's playing. I'm pretty sure it's the Chiefs. Cool. I don't. Who's playing at the halftime? Uh, the weekend the halftime. performed at halftime. Oh, um, okay. I don't know. I didn't. Uh, I don't ever watch those either. Yeah, I didn't see it. I don't know. One person on Twitter said it was good. So okay. uh, I used I to know. watch the commercials. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about any particularly good commercials this year. Yeah, but I'll, I'll keep my keep my eye on the ball for. I'll keep my ear to the ground uh-huh. for you. Um, exciting news this week. I think it was this week. It probably happened, like, the day after we posted this, the last episode. But about the, uh, I did this topic update to something I talked about. I don't know how to pronounce it. I think I said Dietlov, 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 Dietlov Pass incident where the, um, uh, hikers or backpackers died suspiciously on a mountain. Do you yeah, remember that like one? the Russian student group. The Russian group. student group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So scientists uh, figured out stuff this week about it to help solve the case. It's still not like solved, but they think they have the answer now. Okay. They decided. So remember in the story how it was uh, there was no sign of an avalanche. There was no avalanche that happened. Like nothing. Mm-hmm. But then they said it was an avalanche that killed them. Right. Well, they decided it was an avalanche. <laughs> okay. Um, but it was like a small, isolated, teeny, tiny, very specifically placed avalanche. And they would just happened to be in the wrong spot a at very, the wrong time. A very localized avalanche. Yeah, that's what they said. And those exist, apparently, and can happen. And it can give you... So those can have the same impact as, like, a really fast car hitting a person. Just bam! I don't know. Oh, but, sure. But, yeah, apparently. But So they said they probably uh, heard it or saw it coming, so they ran out of their tents mm-hmm. and then died that way. And then two of the people who had, like, blunt force trauma to the head... They said it was consistent with one of those teeny tiny little avalanches that it could have came, came from that. Interesting. But Sounds they like don't... more Russian lies, more Russian disinformation. Mm-hmm. Like, I know. Is 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 Vladimir Putin telling you this? Or the, are the <laughs> yeah. Are the, uh-huh. is the, is the, I've, I've seen the bot army like uh, promoting this uh, stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. They just said it was an avalanche, but they can't explain the other stuff. Okay. Like the tongue's missing. They think that animals just ate them. 
<laughs> this all seems very convenient to me. Yeah, I mean, but then I was like, well, the simplest answer is usually the right one, so this seems like the simplest answer. Right? I guess so. I still want to believe it was some kind of spy thing, or they were on some grounds of... They still don't know why they had, like, levels of some radioactive substance in Mm -hmm. them or whatever, but I don't know. Yeah. No. I'm I'm gonna draw cartoons of you... Uh, kissing Vladimir Putin now. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. I don't know. I was really disappointed to read it, TBH. Yeah, they didn't figure out that it was a Yeti or something? No. That's dumb. I know, I was a little disappointed because I was like, oh, darn. (laughs) I figured out it was probably just a teeny tiny uh, avalanche. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, didn't, I, I mean, the thing that I find interesting about it is that they used... The Frozen thing? Yeah, yeah that was cool. The movie, like, Frozen, the, the movie Frozen, like, snow modeling software, right? Yeah, they so they that. didn't they go there to meet with the people who created Frozen or animated it? Yeah, like, a, yeah. Uh, one of those scientists was uh, so, in, he was inspired by the animation of snow in Frozen, and he, he was so impressed with it that he traveled to Hollywood to ask Disney animators about their animation process, and then he modified their code a little bit, combined it with data from vehicle crash tests. Vehicle crash tests, yeah, I knew that they... And crafted a model of how a slab avalanche might have descended upon the Dyatlov Pass hikers. Oh, so it's Dyatlov, and you just never wanted to tell me that? I don't I don't know how it's pronounced. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, how they came up with this conclusion is interesting. Mm-hmm. It just makes me sad that it's not what I wanted it to be. Yeah. It's fine, though. I don't know. I'm I still... I cool. I, I think this is what we should start uh, World War Three over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I, The Russians are still holding out on us for the good... For the goods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sorry to disappoint everyone, but it was exciting news. It was exciting to see that they made some discoveries in the case, you know? Yeah. It was nice. Mm-hmm. All right. That's cool. Anything else this week? I don't think there's anything, now. Oh. <laughs> I think the world is exactly the same as last week, except for this. Yep. You're right, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I I made a letterboxed account. Actually, I made one a while ago. Um, but but he's been very active on it lately. I, I've been marking films I've seen. I've been rating them. I'm gonna start using that. So if you're if you're listening to the podcast and you want to know what I think about movies, you should be a movie critic. How do you get to be a movie critic? Do you have to have like <laughs> credentials for that? You don't have to. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Okay. I don't have anything interesting to Look say. Look into it. You'd like it. Watch you gotta like. You rain. gotta like write. You gotta watch multiple movies. You gotta write multiple things a week, if you're gonna be a movie critic. I have yeah. a hard time writing one thing for this podcast. That's true. Week. That's true. <laughs> so, That's very true. If you if you don't want the podcast to exist anymore and for me to still struggle all the time, um, with then everything. What job are you gonna have? Harry? None. You gotta I'm... you gotta do something at it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. All right. I don't want. I don't want work. <laughs> I know. I know you don't. I just want the money. 
me too. Um, all right. Well, do you want to start? Yes. All right. Talk into that microphone and let's go. <gasps> okay. What are you talking to us about this week? I'm Answer talking me. about a, about a, about an outlaw, about a ne'er do well. Okay. Um, in the olden days. So in 1895, I'm talking about a folk hero, Carly. I like those. In 1895, Butch Cassidy was just beginning his criminal career. He had already robbed one bank, and after serving a stint in prison for horse theft, he would go soon go on to form his gang, the Wild Bunch, and team up with the Sundance Kid and reap Wild West fame and fortune. <laughs> but I'll talk about him another time. At oh, the same what? time, back east, a lesser-known outlaw was becoming a folk hero himself as his story approached its climax. And they called him Railroad Bill. I like that name. Railroad Bill. Railroad Bill. It's a good name. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it is fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't know how to start my story. Just so. okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I don't. You, you seem disappointed. I wasn't talking about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. No, it's fine. I like Railroad Bill. All right, good. There's, there's still. I mean, as you can guess, I'm, there's still train robberies. Okay. Not much is known about his early life. And there is some disagreement over his exact identity, but the most common name, uh, given name for him is Morris Slater. Um, Morris Slater. Then where did they get Bill? Uh, I'll, I'll get to it later on. Oh, okay. Um, it will go for most of this that it's difficult to tell which parts of what stories are true and which are stories. So I'm just going to tell you everything that I find relevant and I'll let you figure out uh, what you like to believe. Okay. All of it. Okay. So he, he was the child of former slaves, uh, Morris Slater was. Okay. Um, they died when he was still young, and he, uh, he joined up with a circus at that point. Fun. Yeah, there he learned magic and conjuration and acrobatics, <laughs> um, which would serve him well later in his life. Mm -hmm. uh, he left the circus eventually and, worked, and went to work in the turpentine camps of the Florida Panhandle. Florida Panhandle. Yep. They uh, say that everywhere he went, he carried his rifle, uh, even when he, when he was working, and he would hide it down his pant leg, which made it look like he walked with a straight-legged limp. <laughs> no one knew that it was, it was because of a gun? <laughs> I don't That's know. what I would assume. <laughs> no, he's just got a gun-shaped leg. Okay. He's got a, yeah. a large rifle-shaped uh, tumor coming out of that leg. Right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, the trouble started one day when he came into the town of Bluff Springs one day in 1892. I thought you were quoting someone for a second. No, I'm not quoting anything. Okay. Uh, state law in Florida said that anyone who carried a rifle needed a permit. Um, when Fair. Sheriff's Deputy Alan Bruton pointed this out to Morris Slater, uh, who, he replied he didn't think it was necessary and turned and walked away. Bill, you can't do that. <laughs> Bill. <laughs> well, the next time Deputy Br Bruton saw him, uh, he attempted to confiscate the rifle from him. A, yeah. a struggle ensued, and one thing led to another. And when the dust settled, the deputy had his ear shot off, and Morris Slater <gasps> had escaped into the Pine Barrens. That's cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm into it. All right. Now a wanted man. He took to calling himself B Bill McCoy, um, which... Uh, so, 
uh, one thing I said said was his name when he was in the circus. I don't know. Bill McCoy. Bill McCoy. Uh, he hopped a slow freight train and hit out riding the rails on the Louisville and Nashville Railroad. Why didn't he just give up the gun? Now he's on the run. He doesn't want to give up his gun. But now he's on What's the run. Gun? But <laughs> just give up the gun. He needs his gun. He's on the run. Well, he wouldn't be on the run if he just gave up his gun. Yeah, yeah but he can't give up his gun because he's on. <laughs> no, no, no. He wouldn't be on the run. He wouldn't be. There is no. Okay. There's... You need a gun when you're on the run. But he didn't have to be on the run. <laughs> yeah. Oh, another thing I read said that, I don't know, the reason that he, um, st- uh, that the reason he originally became wanted is because he was thrown off of a train for not paying for a ticket. Um, and that's when, and he <laughs> that's like, why he was on the run. Well, no, that, that happened, that happened a, uh, you know, a, a, there was a disagreement and he shot at what, like the brakeman. <laughs> Well, that's not okay. Well, that's why you have a gun. Shut up. You Just keep going. I want to hear the story. Try to take it from you. Uh huh. Um. Anyway. Um. In between dodging railroad police, uh, he sustained himself by robbing from the trains. Unlike Butch Cassidy or Jesse James, Bill didn't have a big gang to help him out, uh, nor was he looking to steal large sums of cash or gold from the trains. Um, instead, what he would do is throw boxes of canned goods or other useful products off the train and then come back later to collect them from the side of the tracks. Okay. Um, in some stories, he, he threw goods from the train so that the uh, poor black people who lived near the tracks could just come and pick them up there. Hmm. Um, in other stories, he would resell what he stole to poor people at prices far below what the company stores would offer them. Thus undermining the cycle of debt and forced employment that white landovers held over black people at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, In either case, he earned a Robin Hood reputation from his exploits. Um, Perhaps as much as the material goods he redistributed, um, if not more valuably, what he took from wealthy whites and gave to poor blacks was empowerment. He undermined the sense of total control that whites had over blacks in the Jim Crow South. I like it. Yeah. Um, it was the L and N, the L and N railroad that gave him the name railroad bill, um, when they offered a $350 reward for his capture. Um, and they didn't know his real name. So they called him railroad bill. (laughs) Uh, I love that. I love Mm -hmm. how simple that is. Wanted man, railroad, railroad bill. bill. (laughs) (laughs) This is funny to me. Mm -hmm. He had wounded several train men, threatened the life of the superintendent of the railroad's Montgomery division, and once commandeered a train and forced it out of the station. All right. Um, on March 6, 1895, the crew of a freight train ba- found a railroad bill asleep behind a water tank near Hurricane Bayou, west of Bay Minette, Alabama, and took his rifle and pistol before awakening him. To their surprise... He jumped to his feet, ran about a hundred yards, and pulled another revolver and engaged them in a gunfight. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, he forced the train men to seek refuge in a section house where they were reinforced by a bridge crew and armed themselves with shotguns. The train men advanced on the outlaw, but just at that time, a second train pulled up to the tank. Railroad Bill sprang into the cab and forced the engineer to drive it out of the station. As the locomotive passed the section house, the wounded desperado fired on his adversaries who could not return fire for fear of hitting the engineer. 
when the train was several hundred yards away, Railroad Bill brazenly got off and proceeded back to again engage the men in a gunfight. Gosh. <laughs> the gunfight lasted until Railroad Bill ran out of ammunition and escaped into the swamplands. Oh my gosh. <laughs> escaped into the swamplands. Okay. I like it. He's something. He wasn't happy with just getting away on the train. He had to go back and... That's what I don't get. He just keeps going. He doesn't need to keep going. He can just stop. That's all it is. Every time he could just stop. Well, if he stopped, then they'd catch him. Well, not... Okay. He could just continue to run away. And get you're away. Right. You're right. He could have. All right. Uh, exactly one month later, on April 6th, uh, he engaged two men in a gunfight on a rural road near Bay, Bay Minot, Alabama. Both men escaped to town and alerted an L&N detective. The detective organized a posse that pursued the desperado for several miles before surrounding him in a barn around midnight. Oh, no. The gunfight that ensued... In, in the gunfight that ensued, Deputy Sheriff James Stewart, a member of the posse, was killed, and Railroad Bill escaped. Yes. <laughs> I love this. I know. I love that he gets away every time. I know. He, he, he's good at that. Yeah. The killing of the deputy earned Bill the full attention of the law and the media. <laughs> a $500 bounty was offered to anyone who could capture the desperado, dead or alive. I'll, I'll look up what 500 I forgot to do that earlier, because I know you want to know. What? How much $500 in 1895 money is. Yeah, I want to know. Wait, who got that money? He stole that money? No, that was the bounty that was offered for him. Oh, okay, how much? um, In today's cash. uh, $500 in 1895 is equivalent in purchasing power to about $15,504.40 today. Wow. That's that's more than I thought. That's crazy. Wow. They they offered $15,000. This is from in2013dollars.com, but I think oh. it's still, no, yeah, 1895 to 2021. I mean, seems reasonably accurate. Anyway, um, $500 bounty, dead or alive. Bounty hunters, railroad. Dead or alive? Yep. Dead or yeah. alive. <laughs> Sorry, just keep going. Okay. <laughs> Bounty hunters, railroad detectives, sheriff's deputies, and vigilantes searched high and low. And as they did, stories of Railroad Bill's legendary evasion abilities grew. Yeah, Bill. It was said that because he had learned conjuration in the circus, he (laughs) could shapeshift into different animals. What? Uh, Once when a posse was on his trail, the hunting dogs were joined by a stray dog, and they lost all sense they were trailing. That's not true. Another time, a grinning fox appeared in front of the dogs, and the dogs could not help but give chase. The no. fox disappeared into a hollow log, and a skunk came out the other end of the log, well, it's putting not an him. end to the hunting trip. It's not Bill. Could be. Oh my god! One time, deputies saw a cat run out of the house where they thought Bill was hiding, and no sign of Bill was found inside when they got in. So he's the cat? It turned into a cat and ran away. Turned into a kitty and ran off. The author Carl Carmer in um, of The Hurricane's Children, Tales from Your Neck of the Woods, describes a lawman chasing Railroad Bill. So the sheriff decided Railroad Bill must be hiding under the low bish- bushes in the clearing, and he began looking around. Pretty soon he, star- he started at a little red fox that lit out through the woods. The sheriff let go both barrels of his shotgun, but he missed. 
After the second shot, the little red fox turned about and laughed at him, a high, wild, hearty laugh. And the sheriff recognized it. That little fox was Railroad Bill. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not Railroad Bill. I think it's Railroad Bill. But I think that'd be funny if they actually thought that at the time. <laughs> like, that little fox. It's Railroad Bill. Get that fox. Get that fox. Um. Anyway. Railroad police uh, recruited a confidant of Bill's, a fellow black man named Mark Stinson, to no, serve Mark. as an undercover agent. No, Mark. Um, using information from Stinson, a posse followed Railroad Bill's trail to Pollard, Alabama, on April 12, 1895. But before an attempt was made to apprehend him, Railroad Bill robbed the Pollard Armory of rifles and ammunition and fled. He also made arrangements to rendezvous with Stinson a few nights later at a remote cabin by a railroad track in Mount Vernon, Alabama. Did he know? With that knowledge, a posse of railroad detectives assaulted the cabin on the night of the rendezvous, <gasps> mistook Stinson for Railroad Bill, and killed <gasps> them. Railroad Bill had learned of the plan and had avoided the attack. Oh, no! That's tragic! <laughs> they just thought it was him? Oh, that's bad. They killed oh. their own informant. Yeah. Oh, gosh, they just saw a black guy sitting on a bed on the side of a cabin or something, and they were like, it's him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's really bad. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say Railroad Bill knew it was happening. Oh, yeah. He 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 knew. Um, Baldwin County, Alabama Sheriff E.W. McMillan had campaigned on a promise to capture Railroad Bill. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> the story goes that after he was elected, McMillan found a note in his office. It read, I wish you hadn't made that statement, Mr. Ed, because I love you and don't want to kill you. So don't come after me. <laughs> <laughs> I love you and I don't want to kill you. Oops. The heater is on now. It's all right. They can probably hear it going. <laughs> you hear the hissing of the heater, everyone? It's very cold outside right now, so I'm not going to turn it off. Okay. So I hope you like the sound of it. But Macmillan did go after Railroad Bill. No! In addition to being a sheriff of Alabama, he was also deputized as a law enforcement officer in Florida. I was really hoping they would just become good friends. Okay. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Acting on a tip from an informant, on the night of July 3rd, 1895... He led a posse across the state line to confront Bill at a house in Bluff Springs, Florida. Okay. But Railroad Bill had been tipped off as well and ambushed the posse as they made their way up the hill. Uh, Sheriff McMillan was shot and Railroad Bill made his escape. The railroad, the state of Florida, the state of Alabama, the town of Bruton, Alabama, Escambria County, and, and Escambria County, Florida pooled together uh, $1,250 for Railroad Bill's bounty. That's twice? More than twice as much. I'll, I'll tell you what $1,250 is. Well, close to $30,000, $40,000. Calculate. Tell me, uh, $38,761.01. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Okay. Um, bounty hunters came from as far away as Chicago. Bounty hunters. Wait, is that what a bounty hunter is? Yeah. They find people who are wanted and yeah. collect the money? Yeah. That's what a bounty hunter is? Yeah. <laughs> do people do that for a living? Yeah. Bounty hunters. Yeah. It's not just like in books and movies? No. Do people still do that today for a living? Yeah. 
All right, keep going. <laughs> okay. Um, the Ellenden Railroad hired the Pinkerton National Detective Agency to hunt him down. Uh, before long, a small army of lawmen, railroad detectives, bounty hunters, Pinkertons, and vigilante mobs were patrolling the border area of Florida and Alabama. Oh no, does he get caught? Still, he managed to evade them. Not yet. <laughs> okay. A posse of more than 100 men tracked his location to the swamplands of Murder Creek between Bruton and Castleberry, Alabama. For five days in July and August of 1895, he led the party on a chase, engaging them in at least two gunfights and killing one bloodhound. Oh my gosh, this guy <laughs> just didn't want to give up his gun and now he has to do this? I know. <laughs> Uh, the stifling Alabama summer turned to fall, then winter, and then it was 1896, and Railroad Bill was still at large. Um, dozens of innocent African Americans were harassed and made to suffer during the hunt as well. Um, Why? Many questionably identified suspects were brought in to oh. claim the bounty or accused of being accomplices. Uh, many oh. of those arrested were beaten and whipped. Some were killed. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean... So I I I I have a hunch that at least some of these were people who they wanted to kill or harass anyway, oh, yeah. and this was just an excuse to do that. Yeah. So I'm not saying that it's Bill's fault that those people got harmed. I'm just they would have found no. another reason to. Yeah. But still not good. No. On no. on March seventh, eighteen ninety six, the hunt for Railroad Bill ended. No. When he was shot and killed at <gasps> Tidmore and Ward's General Store in Atmore. No! Alabama. Accounts of exactly what went down differ. Some say that authorities surprised him while he was sitting on an oak barrel eating cheese and crackers. <laughs> so pure. He's just <laughs> sitting on a bench eating crackers. Mm -hmm. Others okay. say he got in a shootout in front of the store. That's what I want to believe because um, that's his legacy, yeah. you know. Others say the storekeeper laid a trap to ambush him when he entered. Oh, I'd be mad. <laughs> if that happened I don't know I kind of want to hope I kind of want I kind of want it to just be he's sitting eating cheese and crackers yeah you know he was happy <laughs> in his yeah. last minute That'd be nice yeah okay be, um let me uh railroad bill's body was tied to a plank and his guns placed at his side Constable J.L. McGowan, who was believed to have fired the fatal shot, had his picture taken leaning over the body, uh, copies of which were sold to souvenir hunters for 50 cents each. People were morbid back then. I don't understand oh, yeah. well, why <laughs> people wanted pictures like that or wanted to watch people hang. I don't understand it. Oh, Bill's body was embalmed and transported to Montgomery, Alabama for official did identification. On, did they put it on display? Uh, yes. No, uh, they put him on display? Yeah, the officers in charge of it placed the body on display and charged 25 cents to uh, to look at it. That's bad. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. No, no. Well, so I, I, the authorities then in Montgomery like shut that down and they're like, well, we're not doing this anymore. We're sending it down to Pensacola for them to process it and uh, make money on it and, and identify it oh. and like pay out the uh, the the reward. Um, but then the <laughs> the officers in charge of it there also put it also on display. Also put it on display. Oh mm -hmm. God! I, I guess they just, <sighs> whenever wherever they were taking it, they put it on display and poor I guy charged people to see it. Um, 
Eventually, the body was buried in the African-American section of St. John's Cemetery in Pensacola, Florida, in an unmarked grave. Um, mm-hmm. The location was lost for years until it was rediscovered in 2012. Oh, and now, did they give him a good stone yeah. and stuff? Mm-hmm. Oh. A headstone is at this with an etching of a locomotive, his name Morris <laughs> Slater, railroad bill, and the date of his death. I like that. Mm-hmm. It has a little train. Yeah. Well, I was going to be sad if they just never found it again. I'm glad they mm-hmm. put a little tombstone there. Yeah. One of my sources for this article uh, was uh, was an article written by uh, uh, Harriet Outlaw, who claims that at Minette Bay, Alabama, the last place where Railroad Bill's body was uh, displayed, her father was able to go and see it. And when they closed the coffin, a strange mist escaped. Um, and then uh, suddenly there was a gray cat under the coffin bier <gasps> with a curious grin on its face. Yes! The cat went right to the caboose and made himself at home. <gasps> the the Bay Minette Depot was moved out to Highway 59, where there is always a gray cat strolling around just as cool as can be. He sleeps peacefully in that red caboose. The oh. workers at the Chamber of Commerce say they say the cat will not be caught, but they feed him nonetheless. Oh! I love it. That's so cute. Oh my God, that's so cute. I really hope he's just living out his days as a cat. Is he still alive as a cat? Is the cat version still alive? That's, that's what the thing that I read was saying, that there's always a gray cat there hanging out at the old train station. I love that. See, you guys don't know, but Harry knows I love gray cats. Yeah. Gray cats are my favorite. They're so cute. And I'm glad he was a kitty. <laughs> and I'm glad they feed him. Yeah. That's such a good story. I like that whole story. I don't know how much I buy that animal part, but I want to believe that now he's just a cat. Yeah. That's cute. Aw. I like that story. Okay, good. I'm glad you went first, because <laughs> mine's not very good. Oh. This heater is going wild. It is. It is hissing. We don't have, like, the soundproofing up, which is just blankets. Uh, <laughs> so y'all are going to hear it all. That's all right. We talked about this last time. It adds ambiance. Yeah, wait. Hold it for a second. Oh, wow. That's loud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's loud. <laughs> Ooh, uh all right, well, at least I know I'm staying warm. I tried shutting it for a second, and then it hissed even more. Like, it goes... <laughs> <laughs> There's a kitty in it. <laughs> no. All right, are you ready for my topic? This one's kind of short, too. All right, that's all right. Okay. I want to hear it. So, uh, let me read my sources since I copy and paste things. Um, <laughs> I didn't copy and paste all of it, but some of it probably is. Let's be real. Um, okay. So I got what? Nothing. What? Nothing. Are you mad at me? No, I'm not mad at you. Why would I be mad at you? Are going to get in trouble for this No, podcast? no one cares about this podcast. Oh, that's sad. Okay. Um, so I got my sources from a rich verse. I don't know what that is, but it's called rich verse. Okay. History 101, uh, ABC News, and Dusty Old Thing. All right. Dusty old thing was probably like a blog, I'd assume. Someone's blog. Sounds like a blog to me. Yeah. Maybe Rich Verse is a blog too. Rich. Rich Verse. Like a guy named Rich? I don't know. Or it's for about rich people, but the story isn't about rich 
Okay, well, are you ready to hear about my story? Yeah, the Bucks just won the Super Bowl. Wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. <laughs> All right. Who are the Bucks? Where do the they live? Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Where's Tampa Bay? Florida. Florida? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know geography. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. Well, so I've been watching this thing on YouTube now called, okay. I think, Mr. Nightmare, that YouTube channel. He has like six million subscribers, so it's not just some stupid little... All right. I mean, it is stupid, but he does videos <laughs> on little. like creepy things. Okay. And so I watched one about... Because I'm fascinated with people finding hidden rooms in their walls or like safes somewhere in their house and then opening it and finding treasure and stuff. Yeah. Like I'm fascinated with that. In our... We were doing, in, in my family's house, we were doing <gasps> renovations once and we found like a... Uh, Is there a secret room? No, Have but... you never the, took me in there? No, no, no. Wait, but in the wall, we... Um, What'd you find in the wall? Uh, an old pair of ice skates. <gasps> there might have been other stuff too, but that's the thing that I remember. In the wall? Yeah. I love... I love those stories about sure people finding things in from. walls. Because I think now my mom uses them as like decorations in the winter. I think that's where they came from. Oh, my God. I love stories like that. <laughs> I love it when people find things in their wall. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. Okay. Well, so I'm going to talk about a couple stories like that. Hidden rooms. All right. I'll say. I'll have two stories for you. And I picked two. A lot of the stories that are, like, creepy, it's like they find out someone was, like, living in a secret room in the attic, you know? Yeah. But I didn't pick those. I, I picked more historically, uh, historic ones okay. with some history to it. Ready? Yes. Okay, so Alexandra Paulos is a person that feels a deep connection to her childhood home. Mm -hmm. She's an adult now, but she grew up there and the house has been in her family since her parents bought it in 1974. Of course, you know, she liked it. She loved it. Uh, and because it was only six miles outside of Philadelphia... She suspected it had a history. She always knew there was something special about her house. Um, Paulos confided to a reporter in June of 2018, mm -hmm. quote, When I was a child, I would have random dreams about there being other rooms in the house. I'd look it up on dream meeting sites, and people always thought I just had a crazy imagination, end quote. There were other rooms, but they were not... There were other rooms, but they were not in the house. They were underneath it. Oh, she, okay, in her dream, there were... Wait, no. Yeah. In there her were, dream, she had she had dreams about there being rooms underneath the house. Got it. Okay. Um, which makes sense that she would, as a young child, have dreams about that, I feel like. Why? Well, I'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe that's creepy. I mean, that is weird have dreams about there being random rooms in your house. Yeah. When her mother and her brother passed away within a year of each other, Paulos had her father sign over the rights of the home to her so it would remain in their family because he wanted to sell it. And she's like, no, give it to me. Her father was aging, so he signed the house over to his daughter. Uh, she moved in a tenant, and though it was a tough task for her to manage the house, she couldn't give it up. So she had it, and then she's like, uh, I can't afford this. So then she was like, let me rent it out. Okay. Yeah. But then once he moved in, there needed to be a lot of work done to the house. And I'm like, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you check that out before you rented the house <laughs> out? But okay. 
Um, well, you know, landlords aren't the brightest. Yeah. It was around that time that she remembered a neighbor telling her father something odd about the house. This is why I think it makes sense that she would have dreams about it. Okay. Because, uh, so she never looked into this, but her neighbor always told her dad that there was another level level underneath the house's basement. And the dad was like... He's a whack. He's a wacko. <laughs> like, why are you telling me this? Because it's just a basement. There's nothing under, like, right. but he's like, no, there's another level underneath your basement. That's and I'd be how, like, you're creepy. That's not how basements work. The basement so it makes is sense if she, level. like, heard that or, like, overheard that and then she started having dreams about it. Like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Room yeah. underneath her house. Because at first I'm like, yeah, right. So the, yeah, but I, I'm like, if you had that in your mind as, like, a six-year-old, yeah, you probably had dreams about it. Creepy neighbor said something like that. You'd dream about it. Quote, it's my childhood home. My parents bought it in 1974. I just love it so much. I started renting it out, and now we have awesome tenants. End quote. Recently, however, the burdens of being a landlord started sinking in when multiple things in the home's basement started breaking, one after another. Mm. A quote from Alexandra. First it was oil tank. First it was the... Oil tank that went, and after that, it was an old cast iron sewer pipe that just started cracking. So I had to get that replaced, she said. And then Jerry, her tenant, uh, called me and said, Alex, you have to come to the house because there's cracks in the walls. I don't I don't know much about houses, but why is there an oil tank? I don't know. She. What's an oil tank? I, a tank of oil? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is, it a, is the house also a car? First, it was oil tank that went. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know either. This heater I, is getting louder and louder. This is bad. This is going to be a bad quality episode, it's everyone. Uh huh. The heater's haunted. Well, and I'd be mad if there were cracks in the walls. I'd be like, why'd you rent this house to me before getting it looked at? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like <laughs> sounds like she's taken to this landlording like a fish to water. I always respond right away because I try to keep the house as I would want it because I still love it, end quote. So I guess it was just a, it's a really old house, so mm -hmm. things break a lot. Yeah. So, okay. With the basement fresh on her mind, she remembered a rumor that a former neighbor told her father years ago. Quote, there was a neighbor out back, uh, an old doctor and his wife. She told my dad, you know, there's a basement under your basement. Double basement. Double basement. My dad just thought she was crazy or whatever. Long story short, I always had that in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense that she had dreams about it. Okay. Uh, quote, for the past couple weeks, I've been looking stuff up on history of homes in the area, she added. It was like 2 a.m. one night, and I came across an article that said there was this house that's like a five-minute drive from my house, and the owners found out it was linked to the Underground Railroad. They said they knew it was down there, and they knew it was covered up by cement. And then I knew that was it. Mm -hmm. uh, the light bulb went on in her head that perhaps her home could be associated with the Underground Railroad as well. Could be. When Paulos called Baldwin Masonry to make sure the cracks were taken care of in the basement, she asked them an odd question. Mm -hmm. Quote, I asked him if when he's digging in the basement... Can you dig a little deeper? <laughs> and I knew he thought I was a total nut, but I explained the possible historical connection, and he wrote me back and said, yeah, I've never encountered anything like that, but that would be really neat. 
(laughs) (laughs) I like that response. Yeah. All right. Why not? Yeah. The very next day, she got a call from the workers that they had found something strange. Quote, I got a call saying, you're not going to believe this. They found it. End quote. Mm -hmm. Uh, A large hole in the basement floor leads to a previously unknown room 14 feet below the basement floor. I quote, I said, you're joking. End quote. Oh, wait. (laughs) I said, you're joking. I swear to God they found it. Uh... It's the whole other, it's a whole other area of the house. It's just suspicious. Um, let's see. Oh, th- so this is a quote from Jerry, the guy who lives there now. Mm-hmm. It's just suspicious because I think what we found might have predated the house being built, said Jerry Sanders, mm-hmm. Paolo's tenant. Quote, it's about 14 feet deep and maybe about six to eight feet wide by about 15 feet long. It's a nice size room. End quote. There is also a stone wall on one side with one stone jutting out that is particularly loose, but Paolo hasn't wanted to investigate what's behind the wall too much for fear of affecting the foundation. So there's probably more under there. That's cool. A local historian said there are plenty of other reasons the hidden room may exist, but didn't discount the historical prevalence of the Underground Railroad in that area. Interesting. Yeah, Uh, so the region is, quote, this is from Rachel Malashok, the managing editor of publications for the Historical Society of Pennsylvania. Got it. The region in general, historically, has been known as an abolitionist sympathizer area that probably did have a good number of people who have been involved in or were sympathetic to anti-slavery activism, including potential participation in the Underground Railroad. So okay. there's historical context there, I guess, but it's right. not necessarily definite. Uh-huh. It could just be a random room, but I mean, <laughs> I, I'd assume it has some historical yeah, there's, context. I mean, there's some reason for it being there. Yeah. The only way to really follow up on that would be to research who the owners were in the past and follow up on property records and see if they were people who were known to be vocal abolitionists mm-hmm. based on the actual documentation of that, she added. Right. Then you can make inferences. Inferences. Mm-hmm. Um, Mala Shock, the lady from Pen- the Historical Society of uh-huh. Pennsylvania, said the room could have been for storage or maybe somebody had a family secret to keep or perhaps uh, somebody was paranoid and hiding gold. All right. Which Those I think... so cool. <laughs> a, a room in the basement to hide people mm-hmm. in, in that area seems a little more plausible to me than the other things. Yeah. I mean, why would they... I don't know. It just seems weird. I don't know. And the either. fact that other houses around the area have found secret rooms under their basement mm-hmm. that yeah. have been connected to uh, famous abolitionists who helped with the Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that seems likely to me. Yeah. But, you know. But she hasn't done the research yet to figure out, like, who. I, I'm assuming she's working on that. <laughs> okay. Regardless, Paulos is thrilled about her mysterious new discovery. As she should be. Quote, I need to figure out next steps, she said. Jerry is so enthralled by it. Jerry is the tenant. Mm-hmm. They're just as obsessed with this stuff as I am. Uh, I've always known this house is special from the second I walked in. It's like a spirit saying, don't leave me. So that's the whole story I have for that okay. one. I thought it was interesting. 
just because a lot of other houses in the area have similar things to it. And mm-hmm. just since it's such a historically rich area yeah. for that kind of stuff, um, I think it's interesting. I should show you the pictures of it later because it is a really big, it just looks like a really big room with like stone walls. It's really creepy, mm-hmm. honestly, but cool. I, I mean, there must have been some kind of door back in the day to get down to it unless it was built and then they just built the house on top of it mm-hmm. I, I don't know I, I just don't I'm not sure but also there were people who were saying like the underground railroad wasn't really a thing that happened underground well, I mean, so this can't be it. And I'm like, well, well people not... were hiding people, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, just because there are hidden rooms where people would hide underground doesn't mean that there were a literal tunnel of railroad. But yeah. No. But I'm like, I mean, there's been plenty of reasons in history to have secret rooms to hide people out in. Yeah. Right? You know? Yeah. So well, I'm I like, mean, no matter what the reason, a secret room is always cool. Yeah, that is cool. Isn't that crazy? And how did the guy know? How the or how the yeah. lady know that like you know there's something underneath your house? Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I want to know. I want to hear from this woman. Yeah, I want to be like, how'd you know that? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what I want to know too. Yeah, how do they know that? How'd they know? I guess maybe they lived women. there. I don't know. I mean, I'm maybe sure. they, I guess they probably knew the previous owners at some point. There would have put concrete in and covered that up, the under the bottom room. So, uh, yeah, yeah, the bottom basement. Yeah. The double basement. All right, I have a second story here. Okay. Oh, I was hesitant to tell this story, the previous story, only because I'm like, oh, she's just some white lady who wants cool recog- historical recognition for having a house that was connected to the Underground Railroad. But the more I read into it, I'm like, I mean, it's possible. Yeah, it could be. And she found a hidden room under her house, and then she found out, like, oh, there's another, there's a couple other houses by me who have the same thing, who found out that this is the reason. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the most plausible, especially where she lives in right. Pennsylvania. So I'm like, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a little weird that she's so like, no, I know. Mm -hmm. I know it is. I feel it. I'm (laughs) like, I mean, you don't know. She can charge more in rent if it's a historic house. Yeah. All right. I have one more shorter story for you. Okay. Which is cool, too. Cool. Uh, One day, a group of Norwegian students ventured into the attic of the old house they were sharing. Uh-huh. They had no idea what was there or if it was even safe to do this. Okay. The students were sharing the house while they attended the local university, and they'd been told by their landlord that there might be a secret hiding place somewhere within it. <laughs> and I think that's weird as hell. <laughs> that is weird. That, that makes me think the landlord is hiding well, like in an, my house. An old house, you know, I don't know. He's probably told by a long time... A long time ago that there was, like, a secret room up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that piqued their interest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, then they discovered a trap door in the ceiling. So, that was the room they were, like, thinking was the... They Got found it. a trap door in the ceiling, which s- I'm like, that's just an attic. Right, yeah. But okay. <laughs> um, so, they decided to, like film all once they were told this they decided to like document their search in the house so they were like filming all of this as well 
So there's lots of pictures and like footage of it. I don't know. Okay. Um, so they opened the door, climbed up the ladder, and started poking around. Initially, they found nothing more than an Ikea bag and a dirty rug. Sounds like an attic to me. An attic. (laughs) Um, Then, in the attic, they found an an out-of-place panel on the wall. Oh. Which is, it was really small. Like, it was like a really tiny panel. And looking at the pictures, I'm like, how is that out? I don't think I would have. Looked at that and thought, that's out of place. But Uh I guess it might have been. I don't know. I didn't quite get it, but I don't know. Okay. Um, They thought it might look like a little bit like a very small door. Oh. Before asking permission, they decided to rip the panel off of the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. They were also documenting, yeah, they were documenting the whole investigation because, you know, they were told there might be a secret room in your house. So then they're like, let's find it. Mm-hmm. Let's search. Yeah. Um, behind the panel turned out to be a secret hideout from World War II. And it contained interesting artifacts that were left there. Oh, really? That were just left. It was just left. Like what? Um. So let me just, history time. Okay, history time. Uh, I meant to add an hist- a history time to the previous story as well about what was going on in Pennsylvania at the time. But you guys know. Uh, on April 9th, ooh, that's the day before my birthday, 1940, <laughs> Germany be- began its occupation of Norway. Yeah. After just two months, the country was fully under German rule. Mm-hmm. At the same time, local Norwegians mounted a secret resistance against the Germans. The Norwegian resistance was more subtle than some of the others across Europe. People wore paper clips on their clothing to show their status in the uprising. They also printed forbidden newspapers. Okay. Yeah, pretty, pretty, okay. Yeah. Pretty low level. Uh, yeah, resistance. pretty low level resistance. Um, it turned out that the students found remnants of this area inside of the hideout, though some were certainly cryptic. A sign uh, found on the wall. Yeah, there was just like a sign, a handwritten sign taped to the wall mm-hmm. that read, "If." Translated in English, it said, (laughs) if you have a bad stomach, then you do not have access. You do not have access. Yeah, if you have a bad stomach, then you do not have access. Nobody with a tummy ache allowed. (laughs) The sign was more than 70 years old, and it was still in great condition. And it certainly sent a strong message. (laughs) I'm guessing that message. What message? If you have a bad stomach, you're not allowed in. You can't come in the little secret room if you... I should show you pictures of this one. This one was cool because it was like a teeny little room, but it had stuff still like taped on the walls and written like it was all preserved from that like 1945 Mm -hmm. or something. Um, The room also had a makeshift alarm system to warn of intruders so they would know when, you know, Nazis were poking around in the house. So there was Uh like a wooden panel on the wall and it had a little bell Uh and just in paint it, it was written alarm. And so whenever someone would like open the door, it would ding. So they'd hear it. Yeah. So if you're up in if you're up in your secret room doing your uh, resistance, you'd know stuff, to be extra quiet. Someone came in. Yeah. Yeah. You'd get a warning. Mm-hmm. They also found a map of Europe on the wall and an old baby doll shoe. Soon the discovery went public. That's when some local journalists and historians contacted them to inform them of a shocking secret about their findings. Uh oh. According to the journalists, the room was actually used to print illegal newspapers between December 1944 and March 1945. Mm -hmm. And they even provided the priceless footage to prove it. 
So they provided pictures and footage of men working in the exact same room with the same layout, uh, but just in the 40s. So it had the sign on the wall, uh-huh. the alarm on the the oh, map. Cool. Like it was all the, it was really, <laughs> it's really weird actually. Um, they were Norwegian resistance news writers. They would rewrite stories taken from the British Broadcasting uh, Corporation's radio, so the BBC, mm-hmm. BBC radio transmissions during those months. Eventually, they were forced to abandon the room due to local activity con- conducted by Nazi secret police. The secret room was also covered in names of cities and towns in Poland, so like written, scrawled uh-huh. on the, just wood on the walls. Uh-huh. Um, this likely meant that the resistance members were also tracking the Soviet Union's entry into their country. Uh-huh. As they looked further into the secret compartment, the students realized that the original door to the room was mm-hmm. locked using a large nail. Unfortunately, the lock mechanism no longer worked. Even though uh, one of the newspaper writers who occupied the room, age. Thorvaldsen was eventually discovered during the war. The fascinating secrets hiding in this attic had largely remained undiscovered for decades. Yeah, they hid it pretty well. Yeah. And some people believe because of the doll shoe that a family might have also occupied the secret room at one point too. Uh-huh. Like, they said it looked similar to like an a- the Anne Frank hideout uh-huh. spot. Uh. Sure. I mean, it's possible, but there's, like, actual... Why not have people hide in it? Yeah, I mean, I guess after those guys fled, there are probably still people who needed to use the room. Yeah. But it just seems weird that all that stuff was untouched. Yeah. But there was also a baby doll shoe, so why? Why was there an old plastic baby doll shoe? I don't know, maybe... So they think it was, like, a family hideout as well after, but yeah, they found, like, old photos and stuff of these two men, and they figured out who the men were, and, like, Uh they used it as, like, a secret printing area. That's cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. That'd be so cool to find (laughs) in your house. Yeah. That's all I got. All right. So that's a shorter episode for you this week, everyone. It's all right. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. So everyone should uh, tear out all the walls in your house. I just want to find a secret room. <laughs> you might find a secret room in I there. I just want to find a secret room. <laughs> or like something hidden in the walls. I was also reading about, you know, you find safes and like little underground bunkers, basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> where there's just wall to wall, like ammunition and guns and stuff (laughs) that was one that a guy found in his basement he pulled off this plank off the wall and then just wall to wall in this tiny room it was just ammunition and grenades and guns and i'm like what (laughs) 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 or yeah the stories of uh you know you finding a secret room and then there's like a bed and like a half-eaten sandwich in there (laughs) that's creepy that is creepy there's a lot of those stories, too. Yeah. But I thought those were kind of cool and historic. Yeah. Finding a piece of history. Mm-hmm. If, I were, if I were building or just, like, renovating a house, I'd put a secret room in it. Yeah. There was a couple that, like, people actually found, like, that their bookcase in their room, their built-ins, moved out. And there was, like, a spiral staircase going down to a basement. And I'm like... I don't even know what I would do if I discovered that after I bought a property. Like... Think I got a great deal. Apparently their kids were like messing around in the room and they were like fighting and then they kicked it and then it moved and they were like, 
why does this move? So they got their parents and the whole wall came out and then there was a black spiral staircase going down and I'm like, what? And I'm like, there's no way you didn't know about this. (laughs) I'm just, ugh. Yeah, or maybe, okay, so maybe if I had, if I, yeah, if I built a house or I, even if I just bought a house that I knew there was a secret room in, I wouldn't tell my kids about it and like leave it for them to discover someday. (gasps) Ah. That's no. maybe an A plus parent. No, they'd no? be like, "Why would you not tell me about this sooner?" <laughs> I would. Oh, I would man. never tell them that I knew about it. I'd be like, "Oh, we're all dis- your dis- cool thing you discovered, kid." That's cute. Let them think they discovered it. Yeah. Or not? I mean, I'd tell them later. Well, I want to go down into the secret room. All right. So. We'll, we'll, all right. We'll do some snooping around. We'll. We'll find some secret rooms. All right. I bet there's some secret rooms in this place. This <laughs> is right. a large building. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm tired of hearing this heater in my ear, and I'm sure they are too, so let's end this. All right. Well, it's been a podcast, folks. Yep. Um, anyone have anything else to say? No. It's just me. <laughs> anything? <laughs> Anybody? No. 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 Nobody here? All no. right. Um, cool. I've been Harry. I'm still Carly. And this has been... Known Unknowns. On a domestic scale, the spade, fork, and hoe are the tools of choice, while on commercial farms, a range of mechanical equipment is available. Because it's weird out there. Bye! Bye.